Hello. Happy Friday to you. Uh, welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is the FreightWave show about CPG companies. Those are consumer packaged goods, companies, supply chains, and CPG company supply chains. I'm your host, Mike Bowden-Distel of FreightWaves. I'm an analyst and market expert here at FreightWaves. And uh, you know, every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, we do a show um, you know, really with the intention of trying to get closer to the shipper community really understand what their concerns are and sort of how those fit in with other trends that we're seeing across uh, the very broad coverage of uh, logistics and transportation that we have here at FreightWaves. And today, um, I'm going to be talking about the biggest uh, CPG news story of the past week, at least from my perspective, which was this cyber attack on JBS, one of the biggest uh, meat producers. And um, I think that caused a lot of tension, um, you know, really since uh, Memorial Day weekend. But um, I'll give an update on where that situation is. I think it's good news uh, for the time being. And also give uh, an update on um, you know, some of the other news stories in the world of CPG. And I'll break down uh, the JM Smucker Company's fourth quarter earnings uh, report, which you know, they reported uh, yesterday morning. Um, and I'll talk about takeaways for you know, CPG companies at large um, and uh, freight transportation and logistics within the, the, this consumer products uh, space. So I'll do that uh, during the show. Um, but first, a word from our sponsor, Echo Global Logistics. Trust the experts at Echo Global Logistics for all your freight transportation and CPG shipping needs. Whether you are a Fortune 100 CPG company or a specialty food manufacturer, Echo has solutions to fit your needs with their dedicated team, as well as Echo Ship, a self-service shipping portal, allowing you to quote, book, ship and track. Echo has you covered. Technology at your fingertips and experts by your side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To find out how Echo can simplify your transportation management, please visit www.echo.com forward slash CPG today. So big thanks uh, to Echo Global Logistics for um, you know, supporting this uh, this this uh, show. Um, but first, I'll get into sort of the, the topic that I think has been on most uh, people's minds that are in the, the food space, which is C uh, CBS um, or J JBS uh, cyber attack. You know the, the big you know meat company, and it does seem like. It's a you know another day another cyber attack. Um, just saw that you know Biden, Biden administration is looking at the cryptocurrency's role in facilitating facilitating cyber attacks. It's going to be a topic you know between the administration and uh, you know the Russians during the next meeting. So this is getting to be a big um, you know issue for a lot of companies. We've seen it in transportation companies, and now we're seeing it uh, in the in, in the food space. And you know JBS is still in the process of recovering. Um, you know they, the the cyber attack shut down. It's uh, beef processing facilities in six states, as well as plants in Australia. This took place uh, starting over Memorial Day weekend. Was you know came was announced uh, you know, June first. So the timeline is that uh, company uh, you know said sure, servers supporting North American and Australian IT systems were were targeted of organized cyber attack. So it does seem like this was a, a criminal attack from you know Russian group that has been involved in other other attacks. Um, sort of the good news is this does seem like. Uh, it's coming to a fair, fairly speedy uh, resolution. They did say that as of 6 p.m. Eastern yesterday, uh, the company did have a resolution and the factories are starting to get uh, fully operational. And they also said that they should be able to contain the loss of food produced uh, you know, during the, the attack to one day's worth of production and that any of the lost production um, to the company's global business should be recovered by the end of next week. So and, you know, initially when this happened, there were you know spikes in prices and, and, and those things and a lot of uh, concern, um, and I think some of those concerns are 
you know, beginning to be alleviated. And that wasn't clear to me. I, don't, I didn't see it, whether they, you know, paid a ransom the way that uh, the colonial, you know, pipeline, you know, situation, um, you know, what, what took place in that, uh, you know, case. But, um, you know, nevertheless, uh, they, you know, seems like they've, they've, they've started getting back to normal. Um, but at, at the time, I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty crippling. I mean, JBS was having a difficult time performing basic tasks like um, clocking in employees, weighing poultry. I think it caused a lot of issues for, um, you know, companies uh, that were, you know, delivering, uh, you know, the animals. They just didn't know, you know, when they, you know, could be, you know, delivered and, and, and those type of things. And, you know, I think this is, uh, you know, worth highlighting, not just because it was sort of the topic of the hour, but also because, um, you know, food companies and, and uh, you know, the, a lot of those products do go into to, you know, consumer packaged goods, you know, do seem to be the sort of easy, not necessarily easy, easy targets, but sort of um, targets that, um, you know, sort of come to light here. And we've seen this at other food companies like, um, you know, Miller Coors, you know, Mondelez, uh, you know, the maker of, of Oreos, among other, other snacks, uh, Arizona Beverages, Wendy's over the past few years. So a lot of these, you know, did tar- have targeted food companies. And I think, you know, the reason for that is, um, you know, there's potential for, for spoilage and it's just, there's this immediate need for, you know, those type of companies to get to a speedy, you know, resolution. So maybe that does make it, um, you know, more likely to, you know, pay a ransom to just get, uh, the issue, you know, behind them. Um, and also other thing that was interesting here was it seems like, um, it's possible this could, you know, cause a renewed focus on consolidation in the meat industry, um, did notice that uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, who's a Republican of Iowa, said that um, you know made some comments. He's, he's long been a, a you know person who's, who's suggested that there's too much consolidation in the meat industry, and there are a couple of you know good quotes from 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 him, you know, saying, well, if there were you know ten or twenty you know big meat producers instead of four, you know, that would make the you know the you know, food supply chains much less vulnerable to you know, these types of types of attacks. Um, but it, it does seem like uh, companies, you know, in food and CPG, you know, really do need to sort of redouble their efforts to, um, you know, improve their cybersecurity, um, you know, not unique to this, this industry by any, by any stretch, but it, it does seem like their, um, their, their, their targets. You also wonder if it has you know, something to do with um, the timing of it with being a Memorial Day weekend, you know, a time when a lot of people will, um, you know, grill, grill meat and, and sort of choosing that as sort of the right time to, 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 to stage the stage an attack, so it's definitely something for CPG companies to to, to focus in on um, to you know do, make any effort to to prevent those type of issues from from happening to to them. Also, in news in the world of CPG, uh, Treehouse and Post entered into a definitive agreement where uh, Post Holdings, so you think of Post as being a CPG company that uh, makes uh, cereal, uh, they're going to acquire uh, Treehouse's ready-to-eat uh, cereal business for those. Who are not familiar with Treehouse is one of the biggest companies that makes uh, consumer packaged goods for um, private label brands. So you know companies like um, you know Trader Joe's or um, you, know, you know companies like like that. You know Aldi, those, those type of companies. You go into those stores and Trader Joe's, and most most of the the products are are Trader Joe's brands. A lot of those are are made by by Treehouse, and so with this deal. Uh, Post will acquire um, the entirety of Treehouse's ready-to-eat cereal business. Sort of the interesting thing here is that this uh, same deal um, was nixed by uh, federal the Federal Trade Commission in January of last year. So let's call it a year and a half ago. And at the time, it was a it came to an agreement for 110 million dollars, and uh, the, the 
they said it was you know anti basically anti competitive because that would give Post sixty percent of the private label cereal market. So not sixty percent of the total um, cereal market, but but those that are private label you know brands because that's entirely the space that that the Treehouse operates in. Um, and what's different about this deal is eighty five million dollars. So the valuation you know, did come down quite a bit in the last you know year and a half. And um, you know there is the potential that. You know, with that lower valuation, sort of being below that $100 million threshold, that maybe this does not get the same degree of scrutiny that this deal got, um, you know, early last year. So we'll, we'll, we'll you know, keep an eye out for for that, um, which will give us more, you know, in, indication of, of to, um, you know, what, uh, you know, regulators will accept in terms of um, you know, consolidation in the, the private label uh, food space. You know, next topic I flagged uh, to talk about is the Tyson CEO, uh, Dean Banks, resigned after just eight months. Um, you know, what's kind of unusual about his hire, um, you know, eight months ago was that he didn't have any prior meat experience, as I just sort of mentioned earlier, uh, the meat industry, very consolidated industry. Um, they do tend to, you know, have, you know, people who have been in the meat industry their whole life and a lot of those ex- executive, um, you know, roles, um, you know, some, sometimes coming from another, you know, meat company, sometimes just, you know, promoting from, from, from within, but there are, you know, some idiosyncrasies there. Um, and, you know, Tyson now has had five CEOs in five years, sort of at a time when they are rolling out, um, you know, additional products to compete more heavily in the alternative, you know, meat space. You know, we've seen you know success in, uh, from you know, some companies in the alternative meat space. That I've talked about like Impossible Foods. I've talked about them a lot on on other uh, other shows. Um, but you know, Tyson's developing some of their own products to sort of compete more heavily in that space. Um, you know, I think because those are some of the faster growing markets, and also sort of a hedge. You don't know how how um, you know it's sort of too soon to tell. You know how consumers are really going to take some of those alternative uh, you know meat meat products. Uh, so, um, you know, the CEO, the outgoing CEO, Dean Banks, is being re- um, replaced by COO Donnie King, who has worked at Tyson um, for more than three decades. And so that's what I would call a sort of a more traditional uh, hire. So, um, you know, we'll see if um, you know, Mr. King takes the company in any new direction. Um, but I think that's something to, to watch for um, also in the world of uh, meat. So with that, as a little bit of a rundown of the news to start, um, I'll get into uh, my topic of the week, which um, I spent part of the day yesterday looking at uh, the JM Smucker Company and uh, drafted up a, uh, a newsletter that um, you know I sent out yesterday. And if, if you're not on the, the newsletter subscription list and you would like to be, uh, please go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout. And you can sign up for that, uh, try to get um, two of them out uh, every week. Um, so yesterday, uh, Dam Smucker Company, they reported their fiscal fourth quarter. They're on an April 30th year end, so a little bit of a different you know, time frame um, than, than some of the others. Uh, shares were up a little bit, um, in a, up about five, it's called four to five percent in the last you know, five trading days or so. So um, I think in general, uh, people were... Um, you know, happy with the results. I think you know these were a little bit ahead of analyst expectations. They, they because this was their fourth quarter, fiscal fourth quarter. They did provide an outlook on uh, fiscal 22, which I think was a little bit ahead of uh, the expectations. They said the the earnings would decline um, in a range of, of zero, so flat to down five percent. But when you when you consider the fact that they've div- made some divestitures, like the Crisco brand, among others, that were not uh, fast growing. Uh, segments, if anything, declining segments, um, their their EPS is expected to be um, sort sort of plus one to down four. 
um, you know, percent, um, right, right. I guess it's, 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 no, it's down one to plus four, excluding the divestiture. So actually a little bit of sort of normalized EPS growth, which comes after a very strong 2020 that was strong for them. In addition to uh, being strong for a lot of other CPG companies with all of the, the eating, you know, from home, which, you know, benefits Smucker as, as, um, you know, as we sort of go to this hybrid, you know, work uh, schedule. So they, they, they're selling more products, um, for, uh, consumption in, in the morning for, for breakfast and, and also, um, you know, at, at, at lunch. Another sort of takeaway here is, um, you know, they're raising prices. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about uh, various CPG companies raising prices. Uh, Smucker is no, no exception. It's really something they, they have to do um, to help offset, help offset inflation. A company is seeing inflation um, of some products in the high single digits to low double digit increases on a portion of their costs. And you sort of put that all together and their total cost of products sold um, is inflating about a mid single digit increase in fiscal 22 versus 21. So call it around that 5% you know, range. And so in response to that, uh, you know, Smucker is implementing um, you know, price increases across uh, most of its product lines and the, the price increases are going to be in the low to mid single digits. So the low to mid single digit price increases, that's against high single digit, double digit, let's call it mid single digit um, you know, cost increases. And so the, the price increases are um, you know, going uh, higher, less uh, at a lower rate than the costs are rising. So there is going to be some margin contraction. They talked about margin contraction of 87 basis points. And uh, you know, what you see there um, you know, on the screen uh, for those uh, you know, watching the video is you see the breakdown of their cost of products sold, which I think is helpful. I mean, a lot of CPG companies haven't done that, uh, but be, with uh, inflation being the sort of the topic of the hour, um, really in the, the economy, they've, they've given a, a better breakdown there. And you see, you know, freight costs being 8%, which, you know, you think of that as, okay, well, that's smaller than those other components, but that still translates to $387 million of freight spend. And as part of our argument at freight waves is, you know, big company like that, you get just a little bit, you know, smarter on freight by, you know, leveraging some of our data, um, you know, some of our uh, articles, um, you know, some of the, the experts here at Freight Waves, you know, it really can translate, you know, to saving a lot of a lot of money. So if they save one percent of their, their freight costs, a company that large would save four million dollars. Um, and then the other thing I, I'd highlight about this pie chart here is all of those segments are, are very highly inflationary. So that sort of speaks to just how big of, a, of an issue inflation is currently. I mean, just look at think of ingredients and you know what what's included in, in, in some of those things. All these agriculture um, you know, products, whether it's 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 corn or soybeans. I mean, those are way up uh, versus last year. In a lot of cases, you know, basically double where they were. You know, last year, you know, packaging is 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 an area that's that's highly in, inflationary uh, with rising um, you know, costs for for chemicals and petroleum. Uh, you know, contract manufacturing. That's that's something that uh, some of the CPG companies. Uh, you know, went to um, you know during the surge last year um, when there were so many uh, companies uh, um, you know making more CPG products to facilitate the you know consumption at home. Um, so they've gone into that more heavily, and of course, you know, labor is is you know cost of there are, are, are rising as well. So you basically have each of these buckets you know rising pretty significantly. And, and even though they say, well, you know, a portion of their costs are not really rising and, and, and the ones that are, are are going up, you know, at least close to double digits. I mean, it isn't, it does create an issue for a company, uh, you know, like Smucker um, to, to, to raise prices. And what's interesting is, you know, they're, they're raising, you know, prices a little bit less than their costs are inflating. And the idea is they don't want to lose 
you know, share to some of the lower uh, priced, you know, private label brands. Um, and, uh, you know, in some cases there's exceptions like the, the Folgers, you know, brand of, of coffee, you know, they're, they're already sort of occupying the mass market there and, and, and coffee tends to be much less uh, elastic, but, um, you know, they do sort of acknowledge that there's, you know, elasticity in some parts of their, their business, um, you know, their, their product lines where there's alternatives to, to go down for, for consumers to go down to, you know, private label, uh, sort of more, more, more generic, uh, you know, brands. Um, so the company's planning uh, for a reduction in in volume this year in, in you know, volume combined with mix in the low single digits, and that was another thing that I think was probably a little bit better than um, you know most uh, analysts were expecting. Um, you know, a year ago, so many people were you know clearing shelves, you know, getting their their um, you know pantries and, and refrigerators in in order, um, and I think people were expecting that to be you know drop off a little bit a little bit more. Um, companies expecting a revenue cl- decline of of, of two to three percent, but um, I thought they made the argument you know well that when you look at their business on a two year stack, sort of compare their twenty twenty one or basically fiscal twenty twenty two or calendar twenty twenty one versus two years ago. They're better in, you know, really most metrics than they were, you know, before the, um, you know, bef- before the pandemic, uh, you know, hit. So um, they're really probably the, the better way to look at to look at their business. And another um, sort of interesting uh, sort of takeaway that you know for me is the company made some interesting comments on pet food. Now, pet food uh, is Smucker's largest uh, segment. You know, you do sort of think of, of Smucker as, as, you know jam and peanut butter, but, you know, pet foods are the largest segments, about 36% of their revenue. And, um, you know, we've seen this from, from, from them and from other companies that the pet food is growing a lot faster than other types of consumer products. So those type of, those consumer products that feed, you know, people are, are basically a slow growth market for the most part, with the exception of some healthy, healthier products. Um, but, but pet food, because of the adoption in uh, pets in the last year, uh, the pet population actually grew a high single-digit percentage, uh, you know, in the in the last year. So we've seen growth, um, you know, particularly from from Nestle, where their pet uh, business is is growing, you know, nicely. And uh, within within pet food, the treats are growing faster than the food. So presumably, people are still spending, um, you know, in the past you know quarter, you know, spending more time at home or with this hybrid work, treating their pets, you know, more often. So the the, the, the pet you know, treats and you know, milk bone is one of the, the the segments that um, Smucker has, uh, those are um, you know, those are doing pretty well here. Um, it does seem also another interesting comment on pet food is that new pet owners who have not owned pets before the pandemic are showing more of a willingness to spend you know more money money on their pets. You know, you know opt for those higher end products. Um, you know, things like uh, f- uh, fresh you know pet foods. Um, there's, there's some companies that are just sort of focus in on uh, fresh pet foods. Um, and sort of my perception is that a lot of the people that have adopted pets over the past year, really the biggest barrier uh, previously was was all the travel that they were doing. And I get the the sense that these are you know, most of the the new pet pet parents, pet pet owners, um, your people who you know sort of you know don't, maybe don't have kids, maybe relatively high income demographic, and they do seem to be willing to spend on the more premium you know types of of, of pet foods that are that are um, you know, healthier, that are fresher. Also interesting is that pet food is the segment where Smucker has seen the greatest shift to e-commerce. So, so um, by far, they said, you know, sort of coffee's number two, pet food number one. So that's where a lot of the the, the, the shift has been. Um, you know, presumably because those don't need to be pet food does, food does not need to be refrigerated. You know, as you know, typically, I mean, some some of it does, but most of it doesn't. 
Um, and they said overall, 12% of their total sales are, are e-commerce and um, you know, way up, of course, from the beginning of the, the, the pandemic. So people are buying more food and more pet food and, and buying it uh, online uh, more often. Uh, the other interesting takeaway for me in terms of supply chains within Smucker, um, there was one analyst question uh, regarding uh, their inventory levels. And, and inventory levels, I think, are, are interesting right now. I mean, I mean currently, the, the freight transportation uh, uh, volumes sort of across uh, North America are really at an elevated level. And part of the reason they're elevated is because the, the import volume is surging, um, but also there's been this big uh, push on the, the um, side of you know, retailers and uh, consumer goods companies to rebuild their inventories. A lot of those inventories were destocked during uh, the last year as consumers actually spent more on, on goods. And you know, this graphic here shows um, the inventory to sales ratio in blue and then the year over year change in the inventory to sales ratio in in in, in green, and so um, you know, traditionally the the inventory to, to sales ratio has has declined as uh, you know over the years as um, you know, companies have adopted more of a just in time inventory uh, you know uh, regime. But lately, it's actually uh, you know risen, sort of with the exception of this past year. It's 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 risen because of this greater shift towards e commerce and. Amazon has created uh, customers' expectations that they want everything within an hour, within a day, et cetera, and that requires more inventory closer to consumers. Um, now, in the past year, there's been so much consumption and there's been so much supply chain disruption that there's really not a lot of products in inventory. And so you see here how if you go sort of before the, the, the um, pandemic and recession, we were up at about 1.6, 1.5% inventory to sales ratio. Now that's down uh, 1.09, and you can see that's down 14.8% uh, year over year. So inventories are thin. And one of the analysts asked Smucker uh, pretty directly, sort of, you know, when do you expect your inventories to be rebuilt? And they said basically within the next few months. They said by, you know, by the end of their uh, first uh, fiscal half, which would end um, you know, October 30th because around April uh, fiscal year end, they said they expect their inventory uh, rebuilding uh, for, for the most part um, to, to, to be intact. In and I think that's an important question for um, you know, transportation companies uh, in, in, in general and, and just for, for transportation rates and demand, because I think there's you know, the, the rates and the capacity crunch that we've seen in freight transportation should ease when some of those inventories, once they are corrected. I think right now there's a big push um, you know, particularly for companies that are importing goods, they they are not waiting for the traditional fall, you know, peak season to get those those goods, you know, imported. They want them imported now, and um, you know, so so the, the import volumes are way above what you would typically see in 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 early summer. I think once those inventories normalize, you could see a cooling off in in freight demand and and, and some loosening up in uh, transportation uh, capacity, which um, you know right at the moment you know uh, transportation capacity is is really tight in a lot of different modes. You see that at the ports, you see that um, you know in domestic intermodal where there's not enough containers, and, and of course you see it in, in the truckload where the um, you know more uh, loads are falling through the the routing guide into the spot market. Um, and so the inventories, I think, is a really important uh, you know, question. And um, you know, from there, uh, I think that that sort of leads into the, the main sort of question. I think you know came up this week in the world of, of transportation. Um, you know, was uh, helping our uh, journalist Joanna Marsh uh, yesterday, who is a, focuses primarily on the, the railroads and intermodal 
uh, issues. And, um, you know, I think the, 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 there's no question that the transportation markets are sort of red hot right now. I think we could show that in 100 different you know, sonar charts. But I think when you sort of look forward to uh, the end of this year, I think the main question is, you know, are, are, the, are those inventory, you know, inventories going to get corrected? And then is what we're seeing right now a pull forward uh, from what would traditionally, you know, come into the country and, and, and imports, you know, during the, the end of the year is a lot of that going to be, you know, pulled forward into, let's say, uh, the middle part of the year and in, in the summer, and then we're going to have this fall off at the end of the year. Uh, I think that's a reasonable, um, you know, expectation. Um, you know, on the other hand, uh, the economy is growing six percent, and uh, that does tend to lead to a lot of, uh, you know, spending on on goods, even if there is some, you know, reallocation from, um, you know, spending on, you know, goods to travel and spending on services. At least so far, in in this sort of recovery from the pandemic, it doesn't seem to be sort of an either or. It seems like, you know, people are out uh, spending money on travel, booking a lot of travel. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, consumers are going through those TSA uh, checkpoints for the first time in, in a long time. And they're actually, you know, buying a lot of, 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 of goods as, as well. You know, consumers are buying a lot of cosmetics. They're buying a lot of clothing. Uh, they're buying a lot of things uh, to sort of facilitate, you know, getting out in, into the world. Um, and, and so we'll see if that continues. Um, but I think it'll be very interesting to see if what we're seeing now is simply, or for the most part, a pull forward of uh, you know what would come uh, typically come later in the year. Uh, so, um, with those thoughts, um, that's really what I wanted to go over today. Um, you know, I thought in general, you know, Smucker, you know, did well, and I'm glad that you know JBS uh, cyber attack seems to um, not be as uh, disruptive as I think some people feared initially. Um, and uh, we'll be back uh, next Friday with another. Uh, the Stockout Show uh, with more newsletters next week. And if you're not signed up to, for the newsletter, please go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash The Stockout and uh, feel free to send me an email if there's you know, topics you want me to, to cover um, at mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com. Um, and with that, hope everyone has a great weekend.